they, they would get violent. My dad, you know, was, would be become abusive toward my mother and I throw her down, he'd throw her down the stairwell, um, you know, in our two story um, apartment. And um, it was, it was crazy, you know, to see that the two people you love the most and trusted the most, just, just going at it, fighting and screaming, you know, that's your whole world right there as a child. My third father, he, uh, he he ended up getting getting killed, murdered. I always said I'm not I'm I'm never gonna do what I saw my dad do. And I remember one time we were arguing. I was trying to leave the house. She would not let me. And I remember I grabbed her by her shirt and by her hair and I pulled her through the house and I shoved her into the room and walked back toward the exit of our house. I look up and my youngest son is right there and he sees the whole thing and I just remembered being in that spot where he was right there and he reads the results of the the blood test and he, he reads them out loud and he says cocaine alcohol opiates methamphetamines and he looks at me and he says do you have a death wish look at you now let me ask you a question do you ever see yourself repeating the same things that were done to you while growing up or that you witnessed as a child? Some of these things may be trivial, like a funny saying that was always said in your household or the way that your parents talk, walk, or even the expression on their faces. However, some of these things that you are repeating may include bad habits, addictions, or even abuse. Are you an adult child of an alcoholic? Were you the recipient of anger, verbal, or physical abuse? Did you witness things that you swore that you would never, ever do, but now you find yourself doing those exact things? How does a person break the chains of generational abuse? How does a person avoid falling into those same mistakes that imprison their family members? These are the questions that I want to ask our guest today as he shares his life change story with us. So, hey, friend, why don't you introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are? I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with drugs, alcohol, grief, and I'm an adult child of family dysfunction. My name is John Paul. Hey, John Paul. Well, thank you so much for joining our podcast and Zooming in here. So I don't know your story hardly at all. I know just bits and pieces that I've heard you say over Zoom. So I'm really excited about hearing your story. Why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about your childhood? Where were you born and where did you grow up? Thank you, Eric. Um, I was born in, in Austin, Texas. Um, and I grew up in Dallas County, in Dallas, uh, most of my most of my life I grew up I went to three different high schools I can't even count how many elementary schools um, I went to we moved around a lot but yeah Dallas County is uh, where, where I call home uh, so you were born in Austin how long did you stay there before you moved to Dallas well um, we did a little bit moving back and forth uh, from Austin to Dallas back to Austin and then um, we'd live there um, a year and a half, two years with family in Austin. That's where my mom was from. My dad was from Dallas. And we eventually ended up moving back to Dallas. So where are you in the pecking order? Are you the firstborn? Do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes, I'm, I'm the firstborn um, of five. Um, and actually, I, I grew up with uh, 
two brothers and two sisters in the house. But uh, I, I um, found out later um, when I was growing up, my dad always told me you have you have an older brother and you have a little sister. And and I you know, eventually got to meet them. So what was it like uh, growing up in your household? Were you close to your siblings or not? Um, we lived in Dallas. We'd moved from from Austin, from Austin and we were living in a public a public housing uh, in the projects in Dallas. And um, I remember my dad, um, my mother, and my father, they they um, they were always fighting. You know, I was I was really little and I had uh, a, a brother that was a year younger than me. Um, and most of the fights, um, you know, they, they would get violent. My dad, you know, was, would be become abusive toward my mother and I throw her down. He throw her down the stairwell, um, you know, in our two story um, apartment. Um, and I just remember that right there at a very early age, you know, and I found out later, you know, most most of the fighting was because my dad, he wouldn't he wouldn't come home. He Sometimes he'd get up, get home later. Or sometimes he wouldn't even show up. And that's what that was the basis of, of all the fighting. Uh, but I do remember um, my dad getting a job offer out of town from a friend. And it was in a town called Wichita Falls. And my dad, he took the job. We moved. Um, um, he had got a management position at a, at, a, at a mattress company or a furniture company. And I remember moving to Wichita Falls. And um, I remember how things changed. We had stuff. We weren't living in the projects. We had a house. And we had new furniture, you know, um, far away from the projects in Dallas. Um, and... I just remember there was no fighting. That was a big thing for me. No fighting, you know. You know everything was good, but somewhere, uh, you know, I, I started school and and um, by second grade, my parents had split up, and we ended up moving back to Dallas. This time with my mom. My dad stayed behind in Wichita Falls. So you were in second grade whenever your parents yes. split up. Yes. Yes, I was in the second grade when they split up. So you went to from or from Austin, born to Dallas County to Wichita Falls, and then back to Dallas. Is that the correct the correct yeah. order? Yes, that's the order right there. We we moved a lot, and um, yeah, and again, I didn't start school until we moved to Wichita Falls, and by the second grade, we ended up back moving back to Dallas. So whenever you were in Wichita Falls, you mentioned that things were good, that you didn't, that you, there wasn't the fighting anymore. What, what changed that there wasn't any fighting in Wichita Falls? Uh, well, up front, at, now I, I say there wasn't any fighting. That was in the beginning. So, yeah, th- things changed. And, you know, as a child, you, you notice that, you know, your parents are happier and they're not fighting. Nobody's. Nobody's putting hands on, you know, on anyone. Nobody's yelling. And um, you see that. And, and there's this, there's this uh, peace that comes over you as a child. And me, you know, being the oldest, you know, I, I, I had a brother that was younger than me. His name was Robert. And my brother Marvin, he was four years younger than me. My mom was expecting. And, and my sister Rosemary, she was born right before we moved back to Dallas. And, um, you know, you know, my parents, they'd start going out, you know, to celebrate things. And, um, you know, alcohol was involved and, and one, you know, um, they just, you know, would get into scuffles and, and get into fights. And my dad just, you know, would, um, he was repeating his old patterns from, from, you know, 
that he had in Dallas. And um, that's one of the reasons my dad, he was, you know, not faithful to my mother. He had been seeing, he had been, uh, he had been seeing other women behind my mother's back. As a matter of fact, I have uh, three siblings. Uh, my brother, Robert, that's a year younger than me. My sister, Laura, and my brother, Paul Anthony, uh, they're all the same age from three different women, but they're my brothers uh, and my sister. So, yeah. So let me ask you this question. So where did the abuse come from? You you mentioned, and when I say from, I know it was your dad. Did your dad only abuse your mom, or did he did that carry on down to you and your brothers and sister? It was it was only uh, uh, to my mom. Uh, he never he wouldn't lay a hand on us, you know. But we saw all of this stuff, you know, firsthand, you know, right there in front of us. You know, my dad, you know, on on the on the floor, you know, um, over my mother holding her down, and my mom, you know, just you know fighting back. And that um, was it was crazy, you know, to see that the two people you love the most and trusted the most just just going at it, fighting and screaming, you know, that's your whole world right there as a child. After my parents split up um, in second grade, they, they never got back together. Um, okay. They never got back together. And my, my mother, she, uh, she uh, became involved with another man um, who they had a child, my younger sister, Joanne. And, um, you know, he, he, he raised us. He, uh, they both worked. Um, he didn't always work. Um, he taught us how to to box. You know, my, my mother had met him in Wichita Falls. I remember the transition from Wichita Falls Elementary School, second grade, to Dallas. And I remember we, um, we moved to an area of Dallas called uh, the Casa View, Casa View area. And I started school at Casa View Elementary. And, uh, you know, it I was okay with it because I, there were kid, new kids that I was meeting, you know, uh, making new friends. You know, it wasn't anything like like uh, like Wichita Falls. And I just remember, you know, being comfortable in that. And, uh, you know, going to school, at, at that elementary school, um, all the way through the fifth grade. And one night, um, we, we were... Uh, all asleep in our, in our house, you know, this is, this is during that time, um, that time period when we, um, I'm in the fifth grade and I wake up to my mother screaming and I jump up out of my bed. We all did. And, um, to see what was going on, our house was on fire. Um, this was in the middle of the winter, a very, very cold winter. And it was about three or 4 AM. And um, the ceiling was on fire. The whole the whole ceiling uh, was on fire. Uh, so we had to get out really re really quick. Um, and I remember my, my, my mother running us, uh, and gathering us all into our. We had an '86 Astro van, and uh, I remember being in that van and watching the house, you know, burn up. And I I remember my my little sister crying, and she asked me, "Where are we gonna live?" And I just look at her as I'm watching. We're, we're watching the, the grown-ups trying to put out this fire and, and watching the fire department show up. And uh, I look at my little sister and I said, I don't know, but everything's going to be okay. And, um, you know, that changed everything for us right there. You know, 
um, we ended up getting uh, public assistance and moving to a rough neighborhood of, of Dallas called uh, Oak Cliff. It's really, really bad area. And that's where everything changed for me right there. So you said everything changed. Are you referring to gangs? Are you referring to substance abuse? Or tell me more about that. So when when all of, when that happened, my mother and, and my stepdad had already been at odds with each other. Um, there had been some fighting. And, and as a matter of fact, when I heard my mother scream, I thought that she had been struck or hit by my stepdad because he had, he had actually uh, slapped her um, one night. Um, in the middle of the night, um, they were arguing over something. And, and that's what I thought it was. I, I was jumping out of my bed, you know, to run into the area where they were at, where I thought they were at. Um, anyways, um, my mother and my stepdad, they ended up sep- they ended up separating and they never got back together after that. He tried to hold on to the relationship and he'd come around and um, she started seeing somebody else that she was writing to um, who was who was in prison and um he somebody that she knew and um from 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 her past and she ended up uh being in a relationship with this man um my next stepdad um his name his name was ray and um he he had done 10 years in prison and you know here i am in the fifth grade trying to process all this and I'm thinking I'm not going to call another guy dad no no way and this guy and, and then I have my uh my sister's father my my previous stepdad you know putting in my ear hey this guy's a convict and you know and so on and you know just you know getting us not to like this guy so up front I I you know I was rebellious toward him you know and and I you know I everything he asked me to do I would do opposite and, um, you know, he tried to have the talk with me. Hey, you know, um, you know, I know I've, I've done some time. And I, I just want you to know, you know, I, I'm always going to, you know, treat you all well. And he, you know, it, it was a process. And eventually I, I, I started to trust him. And um, my stepdad, you know, he uh, he was uh, selling drugs. I remember every now and then we'd have one of his friends stop by and, um we had a relative. He 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 was staying with us. Um, one night they were drinking, and I remember there was a uh, I saw a huge bottle of alcohol, and I asked him, just asked him, you know, what, what are y'all drinking? And they had been drinking for a while, and he says, my stepdad, he says, I'll give you five dollars if you finish the rest of this bottle. There was. There was, I don't know how much there was. There was a little bit left in that bottle. And um, I took the challenge, and I remember taking a drink, and it was just terrible. It was awful. And um, I remember my mom's cousin saying, hey, he shouldn't, he's too little to be drinking that. And uh, my stepdad just urged me, you know, urged me on, you know, he, go ahead, finish it, finish it. I got this $5, and I remember trying my best to finish it, and I got drunk. I got wasted. I was 11 years old, and so stuff like that, you know, um, you know, would would take place. So your first dad was abusive physically. Second dad was yes. a little bit abusive physically. They broke up. Your third dad um, was dealing drugs, and 
lots of alcohol into all of that. So let me ask you this, was where was God in all of this? I mean, did you even know about God? Did you guys ever go to church? Did your mom? Uh, tell me tell me about that. Yes. So so when we lived in Casa View before the fire, we started, uh, my mother, this is one of my favorite times in my life right here. She would send, there was a, there was a bus ministry, uh, a church bus ministry in, in Dallas County um, out of Garland, Texas, um, from a church. It was called Miller Road Baptist. And they had a fleet of school, bu- uh, school bu- buses, church buses. They would go around throughout Dallas County and pick, pick children up. You'd have, you'd have one of the brothers uh, show up uh, on your doorstep on Saturday, have a pocket full of three-cent bubble gum, and they'd knock on the door and say, hey, we're going to have popcorn ball day tomorrow, or it's dill pickle day tomorrow. Bring a friend. And, you know, um, Brother Ryder w- was who would show up at, on our doorstep, and we were always pumped. He usually had a flyer, you know, with, you know, what, you know, we'd be doing on at, after Sunday school. So this was, this was the beginning right there, um, you know, um, going to church, Sunday school. And I remember, you know, on Sundays, Sunday school, I remember going into the classroom with my brother and um, there was always a, a weekly scripture to memorize. And whoever memorized this scripture, they got a dollar. So how old were yeah. you whenever you were doing that when you were in church? Where, where were had, you? I had to have been in the, I was probably in the third grade by that time, in the third grade, you know. And we'd, we'd learn a scripture through song. Like uh, the very first scripture was, be not deceived, be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man so with that shall he also read. That's how we learned scripture back then, you know. Um, it worked. Know, Brother Anthony played, <laughs> yeah, it worked. It worked. Did you ever make a decision for Jesus as a child or not? No. Um, at that point, no. Um, I remember um, there was one one time that they talked about being saved in Sunday school. And I just, I remember, you know, wondering, you know, about what does being saved mean? And, um, you know, I'd listened to everybody talk about what being saved meant to them. But to me, I, I, I hadn't fully yet uh, grasped it. So, so you had some exposure, so you knew who Jesus yes. was, and you, you heard some of that. So let's move forward now to... Um, to high school. So you're in high school now. You're a teenager. And so what was John Paul like as a teenager? You had a lot of exposure to, sounds like drugs and alcohol through your third father. Did your third father, was he still around while you were in high school or did he leave? I, I ended, I got close, I grew close to him and I picked up a lot of bad stuff, you know, hanging out with him. He, you know, um, I remember the first time, um, there were kids. There were kids. Uh, I started hanging out with older kids. You know, back then you can you can go to a store and buy a pack of cigarettes with with a signed note from your parent. You know, please sell my, you know, child. So the, back then it was like that. And um, and I remember um, always trying to uh, win favor. You know, and one of the kids one time asked, you know, was was asking around about you know buying some weed. And, um, you know, to earn, to score some points, I, I, I said, Hey, I know where to get some, you know, and, and, um, 
you know, the kid had $10. I said, you don't, don't worry about it. I got you. And I remember, uh, you know, uh, where, where I can get it. It was my stepdad's stash. And this is around the time I was being rebellious. So I, um, uh, I took from his stash and by the third time I was confronted about it and I, you know, confessed to it, you know, in, in rebellion, I said, yeah, I did it. And he says, well, okay, we don't have to steal from me, but I want you to know if you want to be a man, you're going to go ahead and uh, be a man. Uh, when I smoke, you're going to smoke. So I remember, you know, I'm 11 years old, going on 12. Every time, you know, he, he, he rolled one, he'd light it up and, you know, I'm right there. You know, my mom would be at work, of course, and we'd be driving around town. Um, he did a lot of things. Um things that a child shouldn't, you know, be exposed to. He'd uh, pull up to prostitutes, you know, in broad daylight. I'm right there riding shotgun. And he'd, you know, he'd, you know, talk to them about, you know, paying for sex. And I remember one time a, a woman just kind of like looked at, looked into the the van and was like, is that your son? And she, and he says, yeah. And she kind of like looked like, what, we, what am I even doing out here? You know, I remember just looking, making eye contact with this woman. It was a young lady at that time. You know, at that time, of course, she was older than me. I remember that right there. And I remember going into drug houses with my stepdad, smoking a cigarette. And people were like, what is this? Who's this kid with you drinking mixed uh, alcohol? You know, this was like the normal uh, uh, life for me. And then one night, you know, my mom, she's working. She doesn't know anything about any of this. I remember one night um, we were driving around Oak Cliff and there's a, an, a, a main avenue. There, there are nightclubs. I remember my stepdad. He, he, we parked across the street from one one night and he points at the, at the bar and he says, you see those men coming out? And they were, um, they were, they were Mexican men, uh, illegal, uh, illegal men. Mexicans, um, they were coming out of the bar. They were construction workers. He says, they, he says, they carry all their money with them. He says later on tonight, they'll be coming out of that bar. He says, we're, he says, and and we're gonna get them. And I just, you know, didn't think he was being serious about it. And we left. And I was thinking, well, maybe he'll forget and we'll, and we'll and we'll get home. You know, he'll forget about the whole thing. Well, we showed back up later on that night. And I remember he, he, um, I remember he was, he pulled up, same spot, and he left the car running and he looks at me and he says, leave this thing running. If you hear anything, and he made a, uh, a signal like gunshots, he says, you drive this thing home. And I'm like, you know, thinking, are you serious? And he says, you can do it. He gets out, starts walking toward the club, and I just start losing it. I'm, I'm a child. I, I start rocking back and forth. And and I, and, I, and for the first time, um, I said, please, God, help. Don't let anything bad happen. I repeated it over. Don't let anything bad happen. And just like that, he comes back, gets into the vehicle, looks at me, and he says, Come on, boy, let's go home. I shouldn't have brought you. So there was stuff like that. 
fast forward to, you know, um, we, we, you know, things, things that was like normal in my life. And it, it, it continued until, um, you know, we were taken away from my mother's custody. She tried all she, she could. We were separated. Uh, my younger siblings went into foster care. My, my brother and I went into a teen shelter and, um, and they got a hold of my dad. Finally, there was no internet back then. Um, nobody had cell phones, but they finally got a hold of my dad and he was living with my grandmother, his mom. And, uh, you know, in Dallas and uh, we got placed into my dad's, uh, care and, um, Ray was on the run and ended up eventually going back to prison. So while that's going on, my dad, he gets into trouble. He ends up going to prison. So this leaves us in my grandmother's care. They eventually put it, placed us back in, in under the care of my mother. And my mother, again, she was she was trying everything that she could to comply and to do do you know the right thing. Um, things were starting to look good. Things were starting to get better. Um, and even Ray, he, he was released from prison. Um, but uh, 11 days after after he was released, he was he uh, was found shot shot to death. Um, and it was you know directly across the street from one of those nightclubs in Oak Cliff. And I remember how that affected me, you know, uh, for the longest time. Um, it was a week prior um, to my 15th birthday. So um, after my after my stepfather had been uh, killed, uh, had been murdered, we um, I would visit some of my friends that, that were in Oak Cliff. They were going to private school. They were going to Methodist, uh, a Methodist private school. So I started hanging out with them and, and going to church with them and going to all their school, their school functions. And I remember uh, it was a youth group that I would hang out with. And I always felt out of place, but, I, you know, um, you know, everybody accepted me. And I remember one night they had a, there was a, invite they had an invite to accept jesus christ as lord and savior and i always thought well i, I am saved and i remembered uh, when i was a kid when they asked what does it mean to be saved what did, what does that mean to you so i'm like you know what i'm gonna do it so i remember i went forward and two of my friends prayed with me and i accepted jesus christ as my lord and savior that that night so that's that's uh yeah i I always believed that Jesus died on the cross uh, for for my sins. As a child, I did. I just never went forward and confessed him Lord of my life. I never asked him, Lord, uh, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. So after you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, did you go back into your old lifestyle did you continue to drink? I um, started hanging around with a different crowd. Um, I, I drank a lot. There were a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of partying. High school, got involved in, in gang activity. So did you finish high school or not? So no, um, I dropped out uh, in 11th grade. And I just, you know, continued down, down the path I was on, you know, drinking and uh, drugging and, you know, hanging out, you know, you know. I eventually got got uh, 
registered um, as, as an active gang member. And, uh, you know, at the age of, I think I was 21, 22. Where did that, you know, that lifestyle that you're in, did you have, did you carry a regular job? Did you, were you working somewhere to, for money or did you just sell drugs for money or what, what were you doing for, for cash? Oh. So I landed a really serious job at a litigation support company in downtown Dallas, small company, um, making legal, legal copies, longest job I, I, I held, um, up to that point. And, um, I was there for about nine years. So here I am coming back to my neighborhood, you know, dressed with a tie. And, um, you know, I'd have some of my friends say, man, I'm so proud of you, bro. You know, you done made it. And, you know, but I still hadn't because I had, you know, I, I was still drinking and, and, and getting high, you know, on my, you know, on my time off, especially a lot of drinking. So did you get married during that time period? I didn't get married until uh, just a few years ago. I wanted to get married, and um, I proposed to my my two sons, my two boys. They're teenagers now. I proposed and, and um, you know, was given the let me think about it answer. And, you know, um, turned out to be a toxic relationship. Um, we were both toxic for each other. It was, it was drug use there. Um, I was using, she was using. So what was the, what was it that, that made you turn around that made you say, Oh my goodness, I'm in a bad place. This is not right. I need to change my life. So towards the end of that relationship, during that relationship right there, I was, uh, I'd stopped drinking. Um, when, um, she became, pregnant with my first our first son and uh, I stopped drinking and uh, you know but I picked up an, an opiate habit mm. and I got a prescription and that lasted for about eight years and I remember going to rehab at one point um, my brother had passed tried drowning numbing numbing uh, some of that pain with uh, a mixture of pills at that point and I ended up going to go get some help. Um, I get over that habit and pick up a nastier habit, and it was methamphetamines. And by that point, um, I remember trying to hold on to that relationship right there. Um, I, I, I even remember at one point, um, I always said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm never going to do what I saw my dad do. And I remember one time I I, uh, I acted out. Um, we were arguing, and I remember I was trying to leave the house. She would not let me. And I remember I grabbed her by her shirt and by her hair, and I pulled her through the house, and I shoved her into the room and walked back toward the exit of our house. I look up, and my youngest son is right there, and he sees the whole thing. And I just remembered being in that spot where he was right there out of that relationship i had two boys two children okay. and two children two children and i remember you know we started separating um there was more drug use going in that direction with, with her usage and then me i was doing my own thing and you know it's pretty much us you know meeting up at the house at the end of the day i remember her not wanting to be with me anymore uh, I ended up moving in with my mother down two blocks down. And I remember one night I just became so miserable. I drank some whiskey. Um, I 
done done some cocaine. I even used some meth and popped some pills that 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 whole day. And I remember that night just laying down in the middle of an intersection, uh, a dark intersection, hoping that somebody just come through and run me over, stop and take pity on me. I remember being woken up by by paramedics uh, doing a sternum rub. That that made me want to fight right there, but I, I didn't I didn't uh, attack anybody. Ended up in the hospital. I remember getting up and pulling the IVs out and just walking out of the hospital, getting into a fight out in the street. Um, got a gash in my head. The police show up, take me to the uh, take they lock they. Put handcuffs on me take me to jail they see the the gash in my in my head and they said well we need to take him back to the hospital and i remember the doctor walking in and he reads the results of the the blood test and he he reads them out loud and he says cocaine alcohol opiates methamphetamines and he looks at me and he says do you have a death wish look at you now i end up going to jail for, I was locked up for 61 days. I was facing prison time, uh, a minimum of two to five years. And I remember when I was in jail, I had time to think. And I remember the first thing that made its way around to me was a piece of paper that had scripture on it. And it said, um, be kind to your enemies. You know, if your enemy... Uh, is hungry, give him something to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. And I'm like, no way. How? You know, <laughs> how could I do something like that? Um, and I remember being there, reading scripture. I started reading the gospels um, a little bit at a time each night. You know, you would think, you know, that'd be my aha moment, and I'd be on the right track. But it was a it was a series of events that took place in a, a long process before, um, you know, I, I finally hit my rock bottom. Whenever you went before the judge, did he send you to prison, or how did you get off? By the grace of God, um, all the charges were dismissed. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, I was no build and I was released. Uh, two months, this was in December um, of 2013, 2000, yeah, 2013, I was released. February of the following year, I ended up being in a house that I was staying at. Um, we were, we were raided and um, people got arrested. I believe when, when they raided, raided us. They kicked, they kicked my bedroom door in and they, you know, they did what they had to. They put the cuffs on me. Um, everybody in that house got, got arrested and I, I was not arrested. I didn't have anything on me. Um, I was expecting them to put me into the vehicle to go to the jail. And um, one of the guys says, hey, Captain, uh, what about this guy? And where were we transporting him? And he's like, he, he's not going anywhere. He's staying here. And I look at them and I'm like, I, they're like, yeah, you're, you're, you're not. You're good. We didn't find anything in your room. Yeah. So I, I was trying deep down the side. I was trying. There was there was a yearning and there was there was, you know, I was fighting. You know, I, I, I so much wanted peace in my life. You know, I wanted to find a church home. I hadn't been to church in like 23 years other than at funerals. And, um, I, you know, I wanted change in my life. You know, I, I wanted peace and I wanted joy. And I wasn't getting any of that. 
Um, so um, I remember my 40th birthday. I had left the house that I was at and I ended up uh, to get away because everybody was expecting me to, you know, have drugs and party it up. You know, I was going to be 40. Uh, so there was this expectation that people had, you know, um, and I, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. So I kind of slipped away and went to a friend's apartment and stayed the night over there. I remember waking up um, on my 40th, 40th birthday on this little bitty couch. My buddy, he's sitting there in front of me, uh, his eyes glued to the TV. He's in his wheelchair. He's getting high. And here I am laying in this couch, and there's a woman hugged up with me on the couch. I don't even know who she is. You know, this was normal um, when I was when I was out there in that world like that. And I sat, I, I sat there, and I thought about everything in my life. I thought about when I was in litigation support, I called that success, you know, that was success to me. And never in a million years, you know, I think I'd be where I was at. That's when I had my aha moment. And that's when I sat up, I probably dropped the girl, the lady on, onto the floor. <laughs> and I said, I've had enough, I'm done with this. I stood up. And I said, I'm done with this. My buddy, he looks up at me. He says, we're, we're, we don't have any more. And I says, no, no, I'm done. And he, he knows what I was talking about because I had expressed a desire to want to quit and get up out of there so many times before. And he saw me. He knew I, I was serious. And I said, I, I, I'm out of here, man. You keep that stuff. And he's like, JP, all right. All right, bro. I'm so proud of you. I'm like, yeah, I bet you are. I just left you with, with that stuff right there. That stuff's bad. Get rid of it. And I walked straight to a, a local uh, a local uh, homeless shelter, and that's where my journey started right there. Well, so continue the story. You've got me on the edge of my seat. So you, uh, so you, there you go to the homeless uh, shelter, and did uh, somehow they they get you plugged into a recovery thing, or how did that go? Yes. So we're, I'm, I'm staying at this homeless shelter and, um, you know, um, a church passes by a church van and they're talking about a homeless ministry that they have on Saturdays. And these guys come in with the little goodie bags, you know, and I'm like, hey, where'd you get that? And they're like, oh, they're still out there. You can catch them right now if you want. And I ran out there and they're like, yeah, here you go. And they're like, we're having service at this time. And I'm thinking, yes, I need to go to church. So I ended up going, ended up going to this church and become us, become a regular uh, member. Um, this was a Saturday service. It was a homeless service. So I would go to Saturday service and Sunday service. And um, one one night, uh, one day at, at church, they mentioned something about a recovery program called Celebrate Recovery that they're starting. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I didn't, you know, nothing big, you know. So I remember I was uh, at the. the the homeless shelter was a Salvation Army in Wichita Falls. So I was I was having uh, dinner, um, and there was a cadet in training. Uh, he was going to be over another location. Um, he sat and ate with us, and he and I, you know, hit it right off. You know, he um, he was from the same area. He was close to my age, and he was in litigation support. And he was asking, "Oh, are you serious?" And we we're just like going back and forth. He's like, "Do you know so and so?" And I'm like, "Oh, I know that guy. Oh my goodness." And he stopped and he says, hey, so 
do y'all have a celebrate recovery here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, my church said something about that. He's like, well, he goes, if you can show me where it's at, I'll take you. And I remember walking into Celebrate Recovery, and I had been to AA, NA. I was going to those meetings regularly. I'd walk to them. I didn't mind walking, you know. I walked 10 miles for, you know, dope. I can walk 10 miles for hope. That was, that was what I would always say. I'd walk. Um, but he, I, I got a ride, you know, um, to CR, my first time going into a meeting. And I remember read, uh, everybody reading the... Uh, the the steps in their biblical comparisons in unison and i'm like whoa oh my goodness this is what i've been missing out i have been missing out and and um you know it's been a part of me ever since what year was that Uh, that was in 2015 2015 yeah and when did you meet your wife i met her uh in 2017 yeah when did you guys get married <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble <laughs> <laughs> we got we got married in 2020 2020 okay yeah 2020 yeah uh, we actually got married on a Christ, uh, christmas day oh wow what a great yeah. day to get married yeah. <laughs> yes. new, be- new beginnings yeah. right yes so yeah. um, I think I hear kids in the background. So do you have any kids living with you or not? Yes, my, um, I have my two daughters. Uh, two daughters? They're seven. They're seven years old. Uh huh. Um, and um, and my two teenagers. Okay. My, my daughters are tw- yeah. My daughters are twins, and and I have my teenage boys, eighteen and fifteen, or seventeen, going on eighteen. So how's your relationship with your kids? My teenagers, they've seen the wild side of me. They saw when I was when I was broken. They saw they they saw it all. They witnessed some stuff, and uh, they watched what God's done in my life. My daughters, they've seen the later version. You know, they you know they they've never heard me. Right. Curse. They've never heard me. You know, uh, they never saw me try, almost get into a fight with someone. Um, they, you know, and they're with us all the time. You know, we're, we're at church all the time. They're at CR, you know, and that's just part of their lives now. Yeah. So let me ask you this final question. So, you know, we have a lot of different listeners and a lot of different uh, uh, walks of life. What would you advise them if they're if you could give them one message in this podcast? What would that message be? I'd say, don't give up. Recovery is possible. Um, healing is possible. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't believe the lies that are in in your head. Again, recovery is possible. You just gotta give it to God and and watch Him move in your life. Thanks, John Paul, for sharing your story with us. Hey, if you are listening today and you feel stuck doing some of the same things that you were exposed to as a child, maybe it's simply some character defects that were passed down to you, but maybe it's more serious than that. Maybe it's some addiction that you were exposed to and or abuse from your childhood. You are not stuck. There is hope. 
As Zach Williams says in his song, if you've got pain, he is a pain taker. If you feel lost, he is a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he is a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he is a chain breaker. Change is possible. However, if nothing changes, nothing changes. See you next time.